for a minute so uh, as we were listening to this i you know me i i'm kind of a big thrash metal indeed you are i i really like all the old like 80s bands and celtic frost is a band that you know i've always listened to but it was always like the first two albums right it's one of those bands that like oh i listen to morbid tales and sometimes the other one i forget so at work i was bored and i decided to try one of their other ones and I listened to what's supposed to be a classic metal album, Into mm. the Pandemonium. Mm-hmm. Now, this album starts with, as you astutely noted, their cover of Mexican Radio. Fucking love that. That's one of my favorite covers. Doesn't make any sense. But it's good. <laughs> okay. But then we get into the second song called Mesmerized. Oh, fuck me running. James. Aw. Who does he sound like? <laughs> we, we decided to call him... David Lee Roth Bowie. I, why does the dude from Celtic Frost sound like David Lee Roth? Trying to sound like Anthony Newley, I don't fucking know. It's so goddamn irritating that that is like a classic metal band. That's why I don't go down rabbit holes with classic metal bands. Because after a few albums, you start listening to it and go, Who the fuck is this? Because, mm-hmm. ugh, this yeah. album is terrible there's like a techno song on this oh i don't understand and like venom one of my other favorite like old school thrash metal like around from the or like origins of thrash metal mm-hmm. you listen to anything past like 1986 and you're like jesus goddamn christ what happened to you venom mm. they got older you know what kills me is now you're mentioning <laughs> that you know what band's stuck in my head two bands are stuck in my head now Fastway and tsol Ugh, I hate TSOL with a passion. I do too. I went to go see them and I got so pissed off. They fucking shut the lights in the middle of the fucking, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Play the music or I don't care about any of this bullshit. I've just never. And they barely played their fucking songs while I was there. Fuck them. I've never enjoyed TSOL, just their albums whatsoever. And it's made even funnier by the fact that the Meat Men made that song TSOL or Sissies. (laughs) I love it. I fucking love it. And the Meat Men are far superior to TSOL. Maybe not in talent or, you know, songwriting ability or any conceivable metric. Oh, no. They're great fucking live. Oh, oh, I know. You go go pay money to see them. It's worth it. You should have gave them more fucking money because this show they put the fuck on. Buy some merch. When I went and saw them, uh, Tesco V came out in a Matador costume. Yeah. Wearing a toilet that purportedly Gigi Allen had taken a shit on one time. He was wearing the toilet seat around his neck. Oh. In a matador costume. Did he get shots afterwards? Cause it... I, I don't know, but I'm sure it's fine by now since Gigi Allen died in 1993. Yeah, but Gigi Allen probably had some permanent germs. That, I just, I know. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, I made her listen to uh, The Germs the other day. <gasps> You'd not heard The, the Germs? The first uh, punk rock, L- L.A. punk rock album ever mm-hmm. made, produced by Joan Jett. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a terrible band. Oh, yeah. I really like. You can't not. If you're if you're of an era, Jeez. gotta love you some Germs. I, I know we go over this a lot, but I'm starting to suspect that maybe just my taste is dog shit. 
Uh, mm, taste is subjective, and if your taste is dog shit, so the fuck is mine. Yeah, I think that's why we're friends. Yeah. 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 I am frequently told, like, to I'm not allowed to have the aux cord. <laughs> yep. I like By very me. loud, angry music. <laughs> um. Well, considering that my wife's favorite, two favorite artists are Edie Burkell and Natalie Merchant, do you have any fucking idea how much fighting we do over music? So we, it, it's taken us three years to find like 10 songs that we can listen to at the same goddamn time. Because, no, I am not going to sit down and listen to fucking Handlebars by the Flowbots one more goddamn time. Yeah, but every once in a while, like, I put on Madonna and shit. Well, more power to you. (laughs) I can't do it. Did I did I just break the show? Should we just start it now? No, because then I'll that, I'll start that, it talking about that. my love of ABBA, and then we're just gonna devolve. Oh man, uh, that one song by ABBA—they got really famous after The Martian came out. Was Fuck. it Waterloo? Water, yeah. All of a sudden, you started hearing that again because I was of that happy. Stupid Matt Damon movie. <laughs> I know, but I was still happy because anytime I hear ABBA, it's just a good day. Is it? Yeah, a little Fernando, a little. A little take a chance. God damn it. Fernando. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, Did you ever hear, uh, I know it's not ABBA, but uh, did you ever hear Anti-Nowhere League's cover of Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves? Oh, fuck no. I'd have to now. (laughs) It's it's pretty good until you remember who's singing it. Animal from Anti-Nowhere League. Oh, Jesus. Who's just a real white fucking British dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it takes on kind of a different tone. Mm -hmm. But then he's also like very much like an anti-racist from everything I remember. Yeah. Even during the 80s. Yep. Yeah, we don't really care if you're black or white. He's just kind of one of those drug addict scumbags. Mm Mm-hmm. Ah, love him. Okay, then I won't talk about how every time Anne Murray comes on the radio, I smile. Oh, my God, no. Yep. There's something wrong with me. Uh, My mother, every freaking Christmas, all day Christmas Day, Anne Marie Christmas album on fucking repeat, and that shit drove me nuts. I'm so so glad. Just for that reason, I'm (laughs) glad that I don't celebrate Christmas. Now I host Christmas. She's she comes to my house and I play August Burns Red, which is mostly instrumental. I'm gonna play El Dia de Bastilla on my holiday day. No, all day on a run. Fucking regardless of celebrating Christmas or not. Do you have a favorite Christmas song slash album? Well, I'm going to have to say The Pogues. Oh, dear. Yeah, fucking love that song. Kayla? Hmm? Favorite Christmas song or album? Uh, August Burns Red Christmas. They've got two of them now, but oh. that's huh. what I play. Yeah, it's <laughs> a lot of... But let's see, if really you good. want to talk about mainstream, my favorite mainstream, Carol. I, fuck, they're all so fucked out. They, I worked at Marshall Fields for a year. And they start in October playing Christmas carols. And I worked where you couldn't black out the music and you couldn't wear earbuds. Oh, man. And they didn't stop playing Christmas carols till about March. <laughs> Have you ever heard the UK subs, Hey Santa? No, but I must now. The first line is, Santa Claus, you cunt, where's my fucking bike? Oh! <laughs> I, I already there. love it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It, that's my favorite Christmas song. Yeah. Okay. And then sometimes at Christmas, I'll put on the Scott Weiland Christmas album. Fucking what? Yeah. Wait, it, no, what? It's him just doing straight Christmas songs. It's weird as hell. Oh, I'm down for that shit. Yeah, because he's actually a really good singer. Does well, yeah. the Nightmare of a Poor Christmas album count? I mean, it could. Yeah, why not? I mean, yeah. I like the soundtrack to that movie. 
Man, I hate that movie with a passion. I cannot watch it. I'm kind of expected to like it, and I I, I think I'm expected to like it because like the the spooky aesthetic. But well, don't, don't isn't the minute you decide I, I like to it. do the god shit? Catchy, don't they but... arrive at your house with a fucking nightmare on Christmas uh, and I, hot topic gift Christmas. card? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, I mean, not gonna lie, I have my like elder emo pass. I still have some of the like hot topic punch cards in an old wallet, like that I've saved. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so okay, everyone, are we good and lubed up now? As far as you know. <laughs> Always luby. Indeed, I don't come over here without at least half a pound of Vaseline up my ass. <laughs> Any given time you see me, something on me slippery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is it in the front? Is it in the back? Who knows? Moisturize. But you know what I do know? Hey, everybody, welcome to Horror Vomit, where we talk about horror movies so you don't have to. My name is Chris Faff, and I am one of your hosts. I am James Marino, and I'm another one of your hosts. And who the fucks is yous? Kayla Perkins. Oh, hi. What's up, Kayla? Um, we've, we've gathered the team here today. <laughs> 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 to, to, to talk, in the uh, mystery machine yeah in the suicide garage <laughs> yeah yeah we, we we brought the uh suicide addict mania i don't know I, I was trying to do like a batman thing and it really failed oh well i, I enjoyed watching that yeah <laughs> that oh, looked man. that looked painful <laughs> yeah that just slid out like a wet turd <laughs> just <laughs> plopped right on the floor anyway uh james you do it <laughs> I have fucked this up. Okay, as soon as I stop fucking laughing uh, <laughs> today, I'm retiring. You guys have fun. <laughs> Thank you. We are watching Joko Anwar's Satan Slave from 2017, um, starring Tara Basro as Rini, Bront Pilare as Bari, Ayu Lakshmi as Mawar. Mawarni, Mawarni. I'm I'm finally getting paid back for all the times I let you stumble over this shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then we have Andy Arfian as Tony, Nassar Anyus as Bondi, and that is plenty. All right, because we are just listing names. Now, I know, but we got to talk about Booty Man. And, oh, okay. I just like to say that. Okay. Name. <laughs> I Duly chastened. I, I need to take control of this again because it's bothering me sitting back. Anyway. <laughs> Rule an iron goddamn fist. <laughs> he was pulling at that leash like a pit bull. Now let me talk. Anyway. Well, anyway, back to uh, the James. Yes. Kayla. Yes. Chris. How did you guys enjoy Satan's Slaves? I enjoyed the living fuck out of this movie. I really liked it. I did. So. How we're, about we're, you, Chris? We're going right back to the Joko Anwar one. Because mm-hmm. I don't remember how many weeks it's been since Impedigore, but Way I too think many. we were both kind of chomping at the bit yes. on this one. So yeah, we pulled the trigger on more more Joko Anwar, and uh, <coughs> oh. I, I'm real into this director. Fuck yeah. I have enjoyed every single thing that I've seen of his thus far. All both of them for me. It is... This movie's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it breaks every single rule of why I ending, end up liking movies. There is too much going on in this goddamn movie. It's so much. At all times, there is fucking... There's ghosts. 
There's the living dead, there's the devil, there's a cult, and usually when that happens in a film, much like in Pedagore, where there's so much going on, I tune right the fuck out. However, <laughs> the way that the story doesn't fall apart through all of those threads, it teeters on the edge of where it can go bad at any moment, and it doesn't. It's fantastic, and I really like this director's films a lot. Well, what kills me also about this movie is that it's quiet. It's a quiet movie. And with all the scenes and everything going on, you'd think it'd be about a thousand times louder. They would use that extreme loudness all the time for counterpoint. It stayed pretty much quiet through the whole fucking movie. And I was amazed because they did so much with, without yelling, without being overt. Yeah, I think I only clocked two maybe three jump scares and it depends on your definition of jump scares and they weren't loud though they weren't there was, always loud there i think was there was one of one them. yeah one that was yeah. very shocking and mm-hmm. i believe it was uh the first time she finds the mother yes yeah in the dream sequence yeah we'll get there yeah, yeah. Oh, oh that dream sequence is he does another thing that i always get very angry about oh. in movies and I, I don't know how he does it because it's such a fine line to walk where he takes kids and makes it creepy. Mm-hmm. Without being overtly creepy like the twins it, in The Shining. Yes, where you can take a child and make a creepy child, but it's not for any, like, I don't want to say it. There's no overt, like, look at this weird demon kid Mm -hmm. until, like, the very end. But it's still played very just naturally. And, yeah, yeah, because we'll talk about that scene and we'll talk about the naturalness even with this crazy things going on and the implications of who and what that child is. Which, again, that when they were, oh, this whole movie. (laughs) Because they they layer one thing on the other and they... In order to maintain my interest or to keep me, you've got to have a pattern or a theme. Yeah. And they hit patterns at regular things, and I didn't notice it until after. I'm like, wait, I had to rewind twice. That is the same kind of scene. It's, you know, it, it's blocked the same. It's shot the same. And they have um, audio clues, like the wheezing. The wheezing happened four times through the movie. There were four shots where they had the split screen where they split focus. And I don't know if there was intentional, but four came up a lot in this movie. And I thought that was really neat. Another thing that they are able to do very effectively that usually bothers me, but in, in this case it's just masterfully done, is they do a lot of uh, frightening build-up to nothing. Yes. And then the yes. reverse of where it's very slow and then, oh shit, where they just stepped on the pedal. Mm-hmm. Not jump scare <laughs> way, but it escalates very quickly all the way to 10 immediately Mm -hmm. and usually those kind of things really bother me when you give me a shot where it's just creeping and creeping and creeping and leads to nothing like the one that she and i were talking about was when uh they go meet the old religious guy yeah they used that no uh the grandma's friend oh okay yeah yeah and his uh, masseuse walks in yeah Mm -hmm. Where it's this big, terrifying buildup because this dude has the gray eyes yes. and he just sh- basically cramers himself in through the door. And, and he stands is just, there kind of mute. Yeah. yeah. And they do a slow, like, 
uh, zoom in with the building music, mm-hmm. and it's just a dude. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And yep. for some reason, it doesn't bother me. I don't know how they do it to where it's not off-putting to me, but they do it, and it bothers me because I don't know how they did it. Well, they, there was not a real music sting in there because usually when they build tension, they built tension very, very, very subtly with music because mm-hmm. there was kind of music in and out. It weaved in and out, but it was never overt. There wasn't music when that guy was standing there. That's why your hackles didn't raise. You've been kind of conditioned. You hear that sting. You hear, not the sting, but you hear that rising music. Fuck, fuck, fuck. There was no rising music, but your brain went there. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, now that I think about it, that's cool as fuck. I say, there were several, several times though when I think score is used very effectively. Oh, yeah. Especially oh, yeah. with the mother's uh, records playing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing that was very lost on me, because I remember we were sitting there watching it, and there was the part where she, the, there's the flap up on the record. Mm-hmm. And this was just... I assume it was a good scare in Indonesian, but it, since I don't speak it, I don't know why it bothered me. But she finds that like hidden track underneath. Oh, that PMRC mm-hmm. backmasking? Yeah, where she starts doing that, but I don't speak Indonesian, so I don't know what it was saying backwards anyway, and it didn't subtitle it. No, but it fucking freaked me out because it you knew sure they it were. It was very spooky. Because like a very spooky like chanting, and yeah. And I'm of an age where we fucking... Check the we're, and I love the fact that she pulled something else to go a, a definite speed so she could have it where it wasn't going. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that is fucking brilliant because I could have done that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit. And when they did that, it brought me back to 1982 for real when that was an issue. Yeah. Apparently. And I was like, fuck, fuck. It raised all those hackles up on me. I, even, I think I've even put the, you know, some PMRC bullshit in my notes because I, I was just like, oh, it brought me right back to 1982. So, uh, Kayla, since we never really did it, we just launched into things. Uh, would you favor us with just a broad overview of the plot of Satan's Slaves? Like the whole thing? Just the broad plot. Bare bones. Uh, cult, ghosts, zombies, uh, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. All of the... It's a lot, actually. I watched this twice, and I still don't think I got it. Like, I didn't notice a lot of things he's... A couple of things he's mentioned so far. Uh, say, uh, it's a lot. Basic plot structure. Family. Mother Mom. dies mm-hmm. in house haunted by ghosts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then twist, it's not necessarily the ghost of the mother. Nope. No. And that is one of those things where... Again, it reminded me a whole lot of Impedigor, obviously, Indonesian mm-hmm. storyteller, the same one, no mm-hmm. less. Who knew? Where mm-hmm. at the end, the story just kind of takes a, oh, holy shit, where they introduce a brand new element to it. But there are several times since we've been doing this where that ends, and you're like, fuck. Yeah. And that makes me very happy you've done well. Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought it was a... Because uh, we both watched some of the ni- original 1981 film. Mm, oh, I, yeah. I can't wait to watch the rest either. I, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't finish it. I don't know how far you made it. Did that also contain like a uh, satanic fertility cult? I don't know because I got about 15 minutes in and I'm like, this is not the same visual style. And I don't remember this part. And I don't... Oh, fuck. <laughs> this is the wrong goddamn movie. Because uh, it... If that was just an, because I know it's different from the original in a few different ways, 
I wonder if that was in there originally, because if not, that's a very interesting element, I think, to add, like, a religious fertility cult, because that was not an unheard of thing in 1981. I mean, mm-hmm. I know it, it's saying it was a satanic whatever a fertility cult lends to the satanic panic bullshit that happened later, mm-hmm. but, like, they're starting back from the 60s and through, mainly through, like, the mid to late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Cults were a big thing, and this, fertility cults were not uh, unheard of, uncommon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the thing is that cults still exist, just nobody talks about them. Right. I live in Ada. You want to talk about cults? <laughs> right. But what I'm saying is that I thought that was just an interesting element to add when they already had so much going on that, oh, it, it kind of reminded me of uh, taking a Deborah Logan. Mm-hmm. Where you're going all the way through it, and then you find out, oh, fucking snake cult. Yeah. Oh, shit. And it changes every single element of this film. It does. Mm-hmm. But it keeps the consistent tone. It changes everything that you've seen before in your head. Mm-hmm. And it's mm, it's so goddamn masterfully done. It, it, it blows my mind to watch mm-hmm. this dude's movies and watch the way that they work. It twi- it's, it's twisty. It's scary, oh, like, God. just builds. Like, mm-hmm. it, 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 he adds more things and makes it be- believable, I guess, or, like, not just too much. It's like, yeah, he's really towing that line and doing it, like, masterfully. I'm, I'm, yeah. I like and it. And again, it, it, it's twisty, but not on purpose twisty. Because if you feel, I've, I don't like feeling manipulated by films. I never once felt manipulated, but it's twisting me, but not in a weird way. It's just a nat- it seems like a natural twist that the story would go, but you didn't think of it. It's like the story wouldn't be the story without that, but it's still twisty. I, and it, it just seems, again, natural. It, it feels organic. It feels, even the twists feel organic, is, I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah, because what they end up bringing up mm-hmm. is that they were born every six and a half, seven years. Yes. And that's mm-hmm. why they're so far apart because it took, a, I think, both it of us. It restarted the timer. For like, yeah. almost goddamn ever to figure out the relationships between all of these because uh, uh, Rini is markedly older than obviously the yeah. six-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. So we were trying to figure out for the longest time when they kept saying mother, like, oh, is that... Uh, wait, who are they talking about? Because there was the original mother dying in the bed. Then right. there was a, the element of the grandmother. Yeah, which mm-hmm. fucking threw me because I couldn't tell who was who for a minute in my head because I, I couldn't differ. You know, I was like, wait, what is the age? No, the mom was sick, but not old. But this woman is old and now she's wheezing. Is that the mom? It took me. I figured yeah. out the relationships between everybody real quick because I'm used to having described blended families on the reg. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I clocked it because it was like they were telling me what's happening and I listened to it because I'm used to that. Yeah. But when I'm trying to differentiate the ages, I was having a tough time. But I finally figured it out, that out. But yeah, that, that oh, that fucked with me. Because it seems, I don't know if they were doing it on purpose or just because of my attention span, but I was constantly getting disoriented as to like who was who sometimes or where I was. Or what exactly I saw. I mean, I see what I see, but I had, it took me a minute to clock what I saw and tie it in with something from before. And I was just, at all times, just unsettled through that movie. There's there's a lot of, like, things, hit, like, references that are not, like, there's no notice drawn to them. Mm-hmm. Like, and they, 
they used the death stare from the original movie, but didn't actually mention it at all. Mm-hmm. And that, that was like a smooth reference that I think, you know, I like. Well, there was, I yeah. love, I love a lot of the nods that this movie gives. Yeah. Cause like at the very beginning with this, and all I could think of was Romero. And I didn't even know there were going to be zombies in this movie. Cause I refused to read a fucking thing about this movie. Yep. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, wow, Romero. And then I saw the title, you know, the titles. And then at the end, the scrawl. And I'm just like, I couldn't remember what movie I, I saw those kinds of scrawls in. But the red letters, the horror letters. Yep. Yep. And, and you could see little, like little love letters, real subtle love letters to a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, again, I think the subtlety is the best way I can describe this director. Yeah, it's over to five. We see some guy under the truck getting ripped the fuck apart and hit with a uh, goddamn uh-huh. tire. Yeah. That's like. It, yeah, very, very to brutal. Into next is talking about the use of effects in this film. Oh, fuck, because me, this is amazing. exactly how I want to see effects used <laughs> in a film. There was nothing outlandish. There was no effectively no magic Mm-mm. that you saw. Everything was either practical or very close to practical. Yes, yeah. and. None of it was outrageous scares either, besides the uh, head under the... Uh, <laughs> Trapped underneath the truck. Yeah, under yeah. the truck. Yeah, that, that was rough. That was... But that was about it as far as, like, blood and guts gore. Well, and some of the scares, he, he employed the same thing he did in the other movie. Very simple, effective things. Like, yes. when they were getting pulled from the window by an unseen force, we never see that force... And that could easily be done by having the kid lay sideways on a table and just go, oh, but it's so real for the scene. It's so subtly done that just just think about how little they had to do mm-hmm. to make it that goddamn scary. And, and, and he uses that effect again and again, something very simple, like the death scene for the Ustad could have been drawn out. We could have seen Gore pumping. We just see red. He turns. We see chunks or whatever red. Yeah. And he falls sideways unnaturally. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's amazing. The one that we were talking about is the hallway scene with the two kids where they walk up in the hallway in front of the painting with the blanket. Yes. yes. And just throw a blanket and there's a ghost. And what I think is very, very good about that scare is the lack of edit where they let the scene play for a minute where these kids stare at it. Then the ghost fucking chases them down a hallway. And yeah. we were literally scared... By the most cartoonish fucking Scooby-Doo, um, Peanuts reference, ghost, a sheet over the head. And I was scared. Hiding under the bed. Yeah, I was scared yep. out of my yep. fucking pants. I Jesus Christ. And it was the stupidest. God, he scares you to death with a fucking silhouette. Yeah. yeah. With a yep. child standing over his brother's bed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, like, yeah. There was, there was nothing to that scene. If, nothing. If it was a drama and not played in darkness like that, it would have just been a big brother looking over his little brother. And depending on the music, he could have been sad for his the brother or happy that he gets his brother. The in that shot. Just what? Scared. Mm. The way they bring scares out of effectively nothing. And the same thing is in, in, in Impedigore. They make a whole lot out of not much there. And it's so effective. And that's what I find more terrifying than almost, you know, like an evil dead where it's, you know, blood drenched or even like high tension where high tension's scary. Yeah. But it's also like cartoonish violence. Yes. Mm-hmm. When it's played so subtly and like we've talked about when your mind is allowed to fill in gaps, 
Oh, yeah. That's where it really, really gets me. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And not only are the scares effective, it's they're pretty non-fucking-stop throughout this whole movie. And that's another thing that gets me that I don't usually like because, like, Conjuring movies do shit like this where it feels like every 15 pages or so in a script, you have to have a scare. Mm-hmm. You have to have this... It, that's the formula. It needs They need to talk for a little bit, then a scare. Talk for a little bit, then a scare. But it's weaved in naturally right. in this way. It's not thrown in as just a uh, ghost attacks the window. Well, and again, like you said, it's the Raymond Chandler thing. When he couldn't think anything to write, somebody pops into the door, kicks in, open the door, and brings in a gun, and he writes from there. And that's what we've seen. We don't see that in this movie because the, I feel like the idea was there, and they wrote it in. That, okay, we're not going to shoehorn this in we've got this framework and oh this fits oh this fits beautifully let's write this here it feels like it's crafted as you know crafted to be a whole thing as opposed to like you said the the raymond chandler every 15 minutes something's got to fucking happen yeah whether it actually needs to or not Mm -hmm. that's why it's more fast-paced than a lot of the slow burns that we watch yeah but i feel like it is uh, the story is almost like a slow burn story, but with uh, hyper focused, almost action horror because there's a lot of running, screaming, kids being scared. A lot of shit happens constantly. Conversely, there's a lot of um, characterization. There's a lot of interplay between. There's a lot of relationship issues, and uh, mm-hmm. you know issues between like resenting the mother. In mm-hmm. fact, one of the lines, remember when they were ringing the bell and nobody was answering? One kid's deaf, he's obviously not going to answer. But a Tony, I believe. Yeah, Tony was hiding behind the pillar, not answering. And finally, the oldest sister comes down, why, or he comes in, why didn't you answer the bell? You know? And yeah. he says, well, why didn't they leave her in the hospital? Like, he was fucking pissed at his mother for doing all this to him. And it was all yeah. this shit that was working in, and you're worried about, like, this... The relationships, you're still trying to piece together who's related to who and who's what. Yeah. And all this is coming at you in this huge emotional, huge emotional shit is just lying there. But they're, again, they're not pointing to it. They're not saying, pay attention to this fucking thing right here. It lets it happen. It lets you absorb it rather than, here you go, here you go, here you go. And you become endeared to the characters just through their little, like, actual human quirks and not mm. even dialogue there's a scene where the little brother like wipes a booger on his brother and runs uh-huh. away mm-hmm. yep. and it's just one of those like oh yeah we're not so different as human beings yeah <laughs> or uh when they go visit grandma's friend and she says oh, my booty grandma, man. yeah my grandma wrote you this letter and he yells at her about opening it up and they go to leave and he's like well, come in and sit down. So let me read this letter so I know what the hell you're talking about. Whoever the fuck yes. they picked to pick act, or whoever the fuck they picked to act and play that guy. Yeah. Either he is that guy and they just put him in a movie to be that guy, or he's the fucking best actor I've ever seen in my entire life. He God was absolutely perfect. Life. Yeah. I love that guy. I just love those. That's what draws me into a film is when you can make me feel like I'm watching actual people mm. and not just dialogue. Right. Well, come in and sit down while I read this and figure out what the hell you're talking about because I don't know what you're saying to me right now. Mm-hmm. This movie did something that I, I think is amazing and it took me halfway through the movie to figure out what it was. This movie looks realistic like realistic lighting but cinematic at the same time and i don't know how they do it because 
With the, the lighting seems shots. natural, but it couldn't be because they're catching everything. You yeah. see what I'm saying? And it's very dark. But it's but it's yeah. it seems very real. And it's dark. dark light, if you know what I'm saying. It's not it's, dark, dark. Yeah. And it seems like you're there. Yeah. But it's still beautiful and cinematic because real life's not that pretty. It, and and it just it hit it hit something in the center of my brain that just felt right. Well, a lot of the shots in the house are very like clean but simple, like in like nice looking but very like simple. Like the bedrooms are like just painted like plain, not really a lot of stuff on the walls and stuff. Like in the main areas of the house, yes. But well, I think that's cultural too. I think I, maybe. Uh, you know, in it, it, some places, it's almost like the Amish. You, you can't be too. You you want to be more plain because you want to fit in. We are all together. We are a team. We are this community. We are this mm-hmm. thing. Who you know? Who are you to put on airs? Why you got twelve things? You know, and you know, why do you have a stereo when your neighbor has nothing and they're hungry? Right. This is a village. We yeah. feed each other. Yeah. Right. But I, and I think part of that they explain that they're kind of destitute. Oh yeah, because like they, they don't have a any, whole yeah. lot that they could have put on the walls. Oh, and think, well, like the apparently, was... like mom was in the hospital and they spent all their money. We start the movie in like, uh, like her agent's yeah, her, office because her mother's a singer. Yeah, yeah, and she's at the like the record studio saying like, "Hey, you know, where is our royalty checks?" And the guy's like, "Hey, they're not here." Like, you still see your mother's records on the shelves because nobody buys them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the radio doesn't pay us to play the songs. Yep. So what do you want? There's no money. Sorry. And we'll also think about it. The oldest, or the, yeah, the oldest boy, Tony, uh, yeah. the one with the motors, he sold everything. They even mention it. Mm-hmm. Are you going to sell that too? Yeah, because he sold his watch because he comes home with uh, beef and gravy. Yep. yep. And he'd sold his motorcycle to the Ustad's son. Yep. Yep. So he's selling, so you know that's also probably the reason why there was nothing left in that fucking house. And if that's so, they paid attention to that goddamn detail. How yeah, the fuck do you keep all that shit in your head? Oh, my God. I'd need 20 people and an assistant to tell me where my assistants were because I fucking would lose it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, we've said it before, but I, I really want to stress, all of it weaves together so seamlessly. Mm-hmm. It's such a complete narrative that when something out of the blue happens, it doesn't feel unnatural. It feels lifelike. Like, it feels like a natural progression, even though like a very dramatic one, still a natural progression. You know what this makes me want to do is to find a well-translated Indonesian novel because I fucking love to read. And mm-hmm. if what they do in print form is like what we see on film. I cannot yeah. wait to jump into those stories because the way they tell stories is not in a traditional sense that I'm used to because a lot of what we see is prefaced in dream. It goes back and forth and there's that weaving of the spiritual mm-hmm. and the real. And, and it, continually, it continually morphs back and forth, mm-hmm. telling a whole story while it's morphing back and forth, yet being confusing but making sense. And it's a beautiful way to tell a story visually, and I want to mm-hmm. see what that sounds like. I want I want to feel what that yeah. sounds like. So because, like you were saying, I think as far as being critical to the story, mm-hmm. I think the grandmother was unnecessary. Yeah, that whole well, character, but it adds a a deepening of the story, but not too much. It doesn't spend too much time going into the... She helps them, though, multiple times throughout the... Oh, she helps them, though, like, multiple times throughout the story. Like, she... um, When 
the kid is the little brother, the littlest, and Ian. the one right above him. When he was like going there, getting taken by that thing, and like in the air, like right at the end of it, like when he turns around, you hear the grandma like wheezing. In I the heard room. that wheeze. And four then you times see him stop floating towards the door. He does stops holding on to the door jam. I did not notice that. Right, but I mean, you could. It, just in a narrative, you could transfer all that to the mother's spirit, and you could cut uh, that character out completely. But what I'm saying, yeah, you is could have added the wheeze to the mom. It would be a. But she also wheeze. was yeah, the connection a, to the spiritualist guy. I know, but that's what I'm saying is that the, you could have assigned all of this to a different character. You didn't need to add another character f- to it, narratively speaking. And I think in like mm. an American cinema, they would have done that to make the story simpler, to Fair. streamline it a little bit. Right. The way they're able to connect all the dots between these characters and make the grandmother important, where you could have absolutely cut that character out. Mm-hmm. Structurally, you could just assign those attributes to somebody else. And you cut down one more character yeah. to keep yeah. an eye on. Because effectively, her like not approving of the marriage and knowing this guy, mm-hmm. you could have just... Pfft, gotten rid of that and it could have just been spirits haunting them or they could have had booty men live in town and hear that something had happened and come to him hey i I knew such and such and this is some information you need because he could still be the magazine guy but he could have sought them out because he'd heard of this well but then they used her death like as a trauma to the one kid finding her in the well too so like not only yeah, but the well thing didn't need to be there except the, no, but it, it cool. also caused a lot of know, big family what stuff. What I'm saying is that it's the difference yeah. in the cultural storytelling mm-hmm. because yeah. like Asian cultural storytelling is very generational, yeah. mm-hmm. and in America you'd have been like, oh, you don't need that many characters. You've already got four kids: the mother, the father, the shaman. Just condense this yeah. all into one. And to make it so elaborate, but so simple for us to understand, is just an absolute feat of writing that I will never understand. And not only that, but we, we've got to take one thing out of it. I do agree with you that the grandmother ended up being very important, but what uh, I'm saying is oh, that that yeah. can all be cut out. And it just adds that layer that, like, mm, mm. Hi. Yeah. I, my, I lost mid-thought. <clears throat> oh, well, one of the things is... We take the, you didn't understand, or you understood it. Almost everybody could probably put the fact that I understood throughout the whole thing, and I could keep this thread with my jacked up brain. That speaks to the storytelling here. That really speaks Mm -hmm. to it, because I am dense, and if you give me too much shit, I shut down. I will shut down, or I will rewatch the same scene five times to catch what I think I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to see. At no time during this movie... That, that need, I didn't need to be spoon-fed anything. I somehow absorbed it, you know, I, I, through osmosis almost. Like the movie enveloped mm-hmm. me and just can't, got into me, and I understood it. And that's not normal for when I watch a movie. I got to stop that's and true. really think, and I didn't have to. Yeah. And again, well, that's just naturally to me. evolves. Like you just understand it. Yes. Like it's weird how it's very simple things that just get you. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not something super complicated or super, super like out of this world that's going to jar you and think you, you know, make you feel hmm. not where it's not real. I don't know. It, it keeps it going in a way. Everything that, seemed plausible. Yeah. Everything seemed thing, it, it followed going. a logic. And if I, I feel like if I were in that situation and presented with these things, I might go, fuck, maybe that is, oh shit. You know what I mean? Because they did it in such a way that I would believe if it happened be, with all these things happening and some, you know, 
I would actually believe it because they did that to me in the movie. And what I think really helps oh, that along, too, is not just the writing, but there's a lot of just visual storytelling. The, the way they show you, not tell you in every scene. Because mm-hmm. for as much story as we're attributing to this, there's not a lot of talking. Mm-hmm. There, there's dialogue, but there are long stretches where it's quiet. Yes. It's not yep. constantly just being told a story. It's showing you as well, which I think helps to keep you yes. engaged when you can see it then hear it, and then see it and hear it at the same time. Obviously, that's just how movies work. Yeah. But some do it far more effectively than others. Yeah. I didn't, I, you know what? I didn't see the zippers on the monster costume in this whole movie. You know what I mean? I, I, it, 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 it was a beautiful, seamless thing, and, and, and I couldn't see a fault with it because of the, of the way it was presented to me. Ooh, that mother. Whoo. Oh, she's so good. I, I love that. The whole costume. Is absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, the when she came down the stairs, yes, like when they see it through the crack in the door, that shot was. Mm, I like that. I think what fucked fucked me most on the costuming of this is when the bag shroud and she's walking through the hallway towards the door, and you notice that the arms are still bound or the arms are still down. There's no way for the arms to get out, and you can see the bag walking. And for some reason, that fucked with me more than seeing a zombie foot. Just seeing the bag move, and you're like, "Fucking, that's a death bag!" And they're supposed to not be doing that. Everything in my head just went wrong, wrong, R O N G, wrong, wrong. Hey, you ghost! You're not supposed to be doing that. Yeah, fucking show me your feet like a goddamn person. Stop it, you ghost! You and your bag feet. So. Yeah, this is another one of those that I was worried that we weren't going to find any chuckles whatsoever because they're really like, there is not even really a hint of humor besides like the booger on the arm. <laughs> well, like, day in the life shit. Yeah, but there's nothing that you're just like, oh, well, that was kind of funny because it's done so well that usually we can find a crack in something and be like, nah, that was silly. Yeah. But I didn't really find any. It, this, this movie didn't need it because the tonal shifts came just, like I said, naturally, it, it didn't need to have any forced tonal change because a lot of times you'll need humor because it's got so dark and they didn't they didn't lessen it slowly because here they'll lower you into the scary, pull you out of the scary, except for the few jump scares. But you're constantly being eased into the scare and you're there and all of a sudden, how the fuck did I get here? Because it felt so natural. You just feel like the anxiety like progressed throughout like each section like part of the movie and it, it is really cool i but yeah, i feel like if it was any comedy in there like it would just it wouldn't fit if it was like the whole natural, movie is a again, believable like, like life they're that family like it it's believable oh yeah man what a bleak fucking ending though oh cheese and god damn it <laughs> because uh they effectively they escape without the youngest one, mm-hmm. who is, I guess, just still raising a satanic zombie army at the yeah. house. Well, the, the the last child is supposed to actually be. Yeah, they Damien that, him. Yeah, yeah, and he's there a was, child. Re- of there Satan. were only references throughout this movie, by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it it didn't occur to me until we were talking about it, and I'm like, oh fuck, omen, omen, oh god, yes. Oh, they're doing an omen. Mm-hmm. Well, and they did the backwards talking on the records, like, and well, it was like some Indonesian chanting, and yeah. I would really like a translation, please. But also, <laughs> but also the uh, silhouette of the child with the light from the back. 
from the streetlight. You know, there was just some of the stuff in there. You're just like, fuck. I waited for him to put him in that little chauffeur's cap or something. But I'm glad they weren't over it. I love, again, the subtlety of this and the natural, the organicness of this. Yeah, because it's a very bleak ending because, again, they're at this apartment without the youngest son who apparently is just, yeah, raising an undead army Mm -hmm. wherever they were living. And they're brought food from a neighbor. Yep. who, Who turns out... Just part of the satanic cult, and they have to keep them in this apartment. That's yep. why they're feeding them. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to understand that every, it's like... It's the it, continuation of the curse. Right. It's the fertility cult. Mm-hmm. The, the idea is, yes, you'll get pregnant, but you're, the last child born when, when they're, after seven years is ours. Go fuck yourself. When your youngest turns seven, yep. that child becomes the child and of, that that, was of Satan. Big yeah. plot point because every child was about a six and a half years different. Every single solitary one. And when the mom got sick and couldn't have anymore, um, poor Ian was fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was figurative fucked. He yep. sure was. Yep. And uh, I mean, well, okay. Mm, I'm going to disagree because just being the devil roaming the earth, being able to raise an undead army to eventually vanquish humanity. Well, I mean, it I sounds appealing. I'd say, I don't know if fucked is the right word. We're figgity fucked. It sounds pretty rad. Yeah. I mean, if I could make that deal, like if somebody came to me and was like, hey, so <laughs> you give us ours, your soul, and uh, you can raise an undead army. Where do I sign? I mean... Is my life going to be any worse Man. than it currently is? I I guarantee you the devil doesn't have to pay the light bill. <laughs> <laughs> or a mortgage well or yeah, yeah I mean, internet. <laughs> he just sleep where he will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With his undead army. <laughs> yeah, with his undead. Vanquishing shit. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to make him like wait outside the room while you slept, though. Because, man, an undead army's going to yeah, there's gonna be a little yeah. bit of um tang in the air. You, if you know what you'd I'm need some sort of like ventilation system for that. To it be will be okay getting a tad whiffy in here. But then again, I guess you'd get used to it. It's like living in a farm town where you move there and you're like, man, it smells like shit constantly. Yeah, I moved and from then the after city. a few months, yeah. a friend comes to visit and they're like, man, your undead army really stinks. You're like, oh, <laughs> I, sorry, I hadn't even noticed. Like, <laughs> They're always around. I quit showering because who gives a yeah. shit? Well, Plus, I'm the devil. So. And that's what strikes me is because my kids are the age where they started sweating and uh, they forgot to change their socks because I usually get after them. Oof. And uh, all of a sudden, I walked into the house because I didn't notice it because I was home. And then I left and I came back. I'm like, smells like fucking feet in this house. And it took me like an hour to figure out they had taken their socks. And finally, when they wear them three or four days and they would take them off. They'd shove them down behind the couch. They would put them underneath the seat cushions. I found stinky ass socks, like, stuck in my pan drawer. I had to wash all my pans again. Because I didn't know what the fuck they touched or what they did in that goddamn pan drawer. I was, and it took me, like, three days to find all the socks. No, would you be more upset about the socks or if they were raising an undead army? If the socks were raising an undead army? No, your boys. (laughs) Oh, no, fuck it. My boys were raising an undead army. I would be a lot nicer to them on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah. Be a much more doting and supportive father. Yes. Don't yeah. kill me. Anyway. <laughs> you, here, boy, I, I need to explain to you the how to be a, the devil safely. And yes. Effectively. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And politely. So I'm very excited. Um, it, it's either out soon. I think it's out soon. 
uh, Satan Slaves 2. Fuck to the yeah. Is, is on its way. Because they, out, I, I don't know where to f- watch it yet. At, they intimated at the end of this movie that every single solitary time they helped somebody get fert- fertile, um, the kid that they took was represented by, like the, what was it, an olive pit or something? Or a cherry pit or whatever the fuck it was? Yeah, yeah. I didn't understand exactly what that It might have was, some, but... some symbolism that I don't understand, but I, it's, I don't know. I'm guessing it was an olive pit, what it looked like. Yeah. But there was a whole fucking jar full of them, and there were a bunch of pins or, with those things stuck to where you're yeah, assuming the that they yeah. had gotten, they have this army of Satan's children. Uh-huh. Yeah. And each one's going to amass all the undead in the air. You're like, we are fucked, fucked. with no lube. So I think this might be one of the only times where I'm super excited for a sequel. Oh, yeah. Because, like, usually you see, like, oh, they're making a sequel. Or, oh, there's a second one of those. Even if they didn't know, that <sighs> ending was cool because I didn't know they'd had a second one. And I was satisfied and happy with that fucking ending. Yeah. Oh, the world is fucked and we're all going to die. Okay. But it's one They of the, did it good. It's <laughs> one of the few times where, like, I see a movie and after the ending, go, like, Oh, and knowing that the, there's a second one, like, oh, I bet that's going to be good. Because, like, when we got to the end of Stakeland, like, mm-hmm. oh, there's a Stakeland 2. I still to this day haven't watched it. I, I don't want to. No. Nah. But I, I want to watch, watch the sequel to this. I, it's I do, the, too. It's the same dude doing mm-hmm. it. So it's not just a a remake by somebody else. It's still right. Joko Anwar, and I'm real pumped about it. Wait, <laughs> he has more to the story? I need to see it. Well, from what I... I don't know if I read this right, but um, I read because I knew I was coming here. I tried to get some reading in, and uh, they said that this one was kind of a not a direct, uh, a direct uh, thing or a direct remake of the original. It's more of a prequel. Yeah, I read that too, but it didn't make sense to me because it hits a lot of the same beats, like in the beginning because again Mm -hmm. i didn't watch all of the original satan slaves but it hit a lot of the very same beats and had a lot of the same shots Mm -hmm. like especially was it uh where they were burying the mother yeah and the dudes were just like getting in the grave and dropping the body down by hand and and, oh that's a nod to the original or like you mentioned the death stare like oh there's a real nod to like there was multiple times you see the death stare from the original and they like called it out in the yeah. original. And like now I don't know it, if they, they still bury the dead like that there, but it's re- it's really interesting to see different death cultures or different ideas of how, what we do with our dead. And yeah. because that is so foreign to me that the way they did that, you know, there's different ideas of what the dead body represents for real and how they take care of it when it's dead or how they allow it to rot or whatever. And a lot of it is cultural. And But to watch that is so jarring to me because I grew up, you're either cremated or stuck in a box. Mm-hmm. There was none of that. Mm-hmm. And it was so visceral because you know that you could literally touch the skin. You could feel the body through the shroud. Yeah. And that whole thing where they say once you take the 40th step for just a moment that body comes back alive and takes in the situation and then when you leave it goes back to rest i tried to count the steps that they took because they had made mention of it mm-hmm. and i counted the wrong person's steps mm-hmm. i did too because <laughs> after mm-hmm. they had mentioned that you know uh 40 paces away from the grave mm-hmm. is when i forget exactly what the lore was 
But I was counting uh, Rini's steps. Uh huh. I think I was counting Bondi's steps. But it was Tony that that was stuck. He just fucking like a statue. And I was like, ah, goddamn. They paid so much attention that it wasn't just a, I don't know, just have him walk away. Yep. They actually took the time to count that. Means that they cared about this movie and it really shows. And did you see the look on that kid's face when he finally took that stab? Mm hmm. It just was so arresting. I'm like, because you can feel that fear. Because I remember the first time I stepped on a crack on purpose when I was like four. I'm like, well, fuck, let's see what happens. <laughs> he had that look that I remember mm-hmm. having when I broke a taboo. Like, fuck, is it happening? I don't know. Well, everything's okay, I guess. Uh, go now. But the, you, you saw all that play on his face. Or fuck cultures, fuck everything. I felt what he was mm-hmm. feeling at that moment. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that speaks to the the talent and the directing, the talent and the acting, the talent and the writing in this movie. I am super glad because I was afraid. On, honest to God, I was afraid to... I, I know he did other good stuff, but I was afraid I was going to see the shit version of whatever the fuck he does. You know, I'm mm-hmm. always afraid. You, you see something you really like. I don't know. That was good. I don't know how you're going to fucking get... Holy shit, you got me. Yep. Yeah. Now I'm afraid to see another one because I'm like, well, fuck. There's no way three are going to be that good. Uh... <laughs> The one that I'm going to end up making you do next is probably, the since we've gone backwards in his order thus far, we started with, I guess, uh, uh, the sequel to this would have been the newest, but we went backwards in his filmography, starting at Impetigore, now Satan's Slaves, and right before this was uh, Forbidden Door, the one that won all the awards at the Citros, like we talked about last time. Mm -hmm. And, like, we started it, but Shudder was having a having a bitchy mood and not letting us watch our movie. Yeah. Well, it's spooky season. They're busy. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is, you know, spooky's time. You know? We love you, Shudder. Shudder's the we business. Sure do. But anyway, final <sighs> thoughts, anyone? Fuck, watch this goddamn movie. Yeah, it's really good. Watch it. Absolutely. And, and again, this is another one. This is what, three or four, where I'm going to tell you, I don't give a fuck what kind of movies you like. I don't, I, prior to this, I didn't like spookies. Now I love them. But I don't care if you like spookies or not. Watch this goddamn movie. This and a pedagogy. Just fucking strap on. Watch a Indonesian horror flick fest. Watch Joko Anwar and do it fucking now. Yeah. Yeah. I it's amazing. But, but be forewarned. Yes, they are very, very good. Like we've said, both of them scary as hell. Actually. Yes. They are. Li- I appreciate a good scary movie. I've become a nerd. I've got a very thick skin now from a year of watching. Every week I watch a horror movie. Now it's got to jump out at me to get me, you know. Oh, I see what you, I see what you did there. Oh, that's cute. I'm gonna get scared. He's gonna jump out now. Oh, boom, got it. You know, and so I don't get as scared. Fucking Joko Anwar, honest to God, scares the living fuck out of me on the reg throughout the mm-hmm. movie. Well, both times. <laughs> They're very, very good. Oh yeah. I like. I stayed up until like two o'clock in the morning. Um, cause we started it really late one, one evening and, uh, yeah, I stayed up till 2am watching that movie. I, I watched the whole thing and I like just stay, sat there and watched it the whole night. And then I watched it again cause it was really good. And see, I had to stop watching it cause if I would have watched it all the way done, I would have been one o'clock in the morning and I would not have fucking slept until the goddamn sun came out cause this movie scared the living fuck out of me. And I don't believe in none of this shit. I'm traditionally not scared. I'll walk through graves and give a fuck. But 
these movies scare me so goddamn bad that I revert to being six years old and want to hide under the covers, but I can't because fucking what lives under the covers and went under the goddamn bed in these goddamn movies, <laughs> anything that would comfort me as a child has been <laughs> fucked by these movies because I can't do them anymore because, nah. Anyway, I have opinions. You sure do. Watch this. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's very good. Um, Kayla, what have you got to plug? Uh, buy my art. That's it. Where, Where do, do we buy your art? you to buy your art? Uh, Facebook. <laughs> Instagram, somewhat. What, what is the title wherein? Uh, Kayla Perkins, you'll see the purple hair. Beautiful. Uh, James, what have we got to plug? This beautiful thing that we call Horror Vomit. Uh, where can you find us? Well, oddly enough, we have an email address, which you will be kind enough to God tell damn us. It. I was trying to get you to do it. Because <laughs> I can't fucking remember it. Horrorvomitpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Send us an email. We'll respond to you, probably. Uh-huh. What else are we on, Chris? Oh, uh, we have Facebook groups, Instagram pages, uh, probably something else. You can find us wherever podcasts are available. Uh, wherever you can go, give us some fucking stars. Five of so them. We can yeah stop doing things and make millions of dollars. Hey, just get us on a feed so somebody can see us. Besides who we tell, that would be so beautiful. we can become filthy rich <clears throat> from discussing other people's art. Yeah, telling dick and fart jokes and occasionally talking about the movie. It's a beautiful thing. Hey, dick and fart jokes have a very important place in our culture, as does '90s wrestling. Yes. And I will never let go of that point. Or hair metal. I do love me some hair metal. Indeed you do. Oh, yeah. Find a, you can find me. If you find me and want to talk to me, all you have to do is like bring up rat or something. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm. You want to <laughs> talk round and round, I'll talk to you all day. Or Slayer. I'll talk to you about Slayer, too. Mm. Motorhead. Anthrax. Yeah. Yeah. Anthrax. Yeah. Mm, good stuff. We're Basically, old. if you just engage any of us in any of our stupid interests, you have our ear. Fuck to the yeah. Immediately. All right. Let's say goodnight. Yeah, let's be done with this. Night. We're really bad at ending these. We've been doing this for how long? We've been doing it.